Hi guys, today I would like to use this opportunity to talk to um, you if you're struggling to discern um, between the voice of God and your own voice or maybe you think that you don't hear God's voice and you would like to hear God's voice. So what I'm going to share with you today is not a recipe. It's not starting step one, ending at step then and then I will be able to to hear God's voice. God's voice to hear God's voice and to hear him correctly is relationship. It comes from building a relationship with him. And um, I would like to give some pointers out of the word that um, would help you see where maybe um, you have failed or you maybe you didn't understand it that way. Um, maybe there's areas in your life that you still need to work on to um, hear his voice clearer or to start hearing his voice. First off, I want to say that what I'm going to say is probably not something that you want to hear if you're struggling to hear God's voice or if you can't discern. And that is that it takes practice. You have to practice it. You're going to fail and the best of it all, or I would say the most important part of it all, is that you should try again and again and again um, because that's the only way it's going to improve. It's um, like a newborn baby. When a newborn baby is born and the parents talk to the newborn baby, that boy, baby has no idea that the sounds that he's hearing is directed at him. Um, Later on, he realizes that this sounds actually is directed at him and it has meaning. And then the sounds form words and the words put together to make sentences. And then when the child is a little bit older, there's confusion um, between what the parents said and what the child heard. They might even argue with you about the words um, spoken. They, they might feel emotions behind the words. That was never the intention. Um, they might be rebellious when you say things. And that is exactly the same with our book to hear God speak. And if you're frustrated because you just want to hear, hang in there. Just keep trying. It is going to get better. And hopefully when I work walk through scripture because I don't want to give you just things what helped me I want to when I eventually share the things that helped me wanted to be founded in scripture so there is quite a bit of scripture um, that talks about hearing God's voice um, I'm not going to go through all the scripture though but I am going to go through some scripture and Every piece of scripture is there to help you see where do you need to improve or where you're at at your relationship. Um, if there's things that you need to change or if there's things that you need to get rid of. The first scripture that we're going to go through though is in Genesis. And in Genesis we see and we understand that Adam and Eve could hear God clearly. There was no doubt 
in their minds about what God was telling them to do and um, hearing him um, perfectly until sin came into the picture. When sin appeared, um, it doesn't mean necessarily that they could not hear God anymore. But as sin evolved in our lives, we drifted further away from God and our minds got cl um, clouded and hearing God wasn't so easy anymore. So sin is the thing that we need to address when we want to hear God's voice. We got conscious sin that um, we do and we know we shouldn't do it and we need to get rid of those sins. And then there's subconscious sins or unknown sins. Maybe I'm doing something and I'm not aware that what I'm doing is sin. Or um, I'm not even aware that I'm doing sin. So and when Holy Spirit um, reveals that to you, to not fight it and to deal with it. To not come up with excuses. I've done it for so long and um, it hasn't been a problem up to now. It's because you want to grow that it's become a problem now. Because Holy Spirit wants you to grow and is showing you where you are stuck. Um, we also need to understand that, the, that there are certain steps. Like a baby is growing and the experts say that they shouldn't skip on um, de developmental phases because that's going to um, be a blockage or a problem in their learning areas and that's why they need to go through all the stages when they're a baby. It's exactly the same way when we grow as Christians. The next scripture that we're going to go to is in um, Exodus 19.19. And there God, uh, Moses is having a conversation with God. And God spoke to Moses in thunder. Now, thunder is a sign of a storm. It's one of the signs of a storm coming up. And when it says there that God spoke to Moses in thunder, it means that God either is going to say something that I don't want to hear, or He's preparing us for a storm that's coming. He doesn't want us to be caught off guard. And the other thing is that sometimes God gives us an answer and it just doesn't sound godly for whatever reason it might be. So that is God's voice in the thunder because we know the story of Moses and we know when God spoke to him, um, he was preparing Moses for the storm that's coming. Um, what he told Moses was out of Moses' comfort zone. It wasn't what he wanted to hear. So um, just bear with me. In Deuteronomy 13 verse 4, we read that we have to obey his voice. We have to, to obey. And when he speaks to us and we don't obey, that causes problems in hearing. Because if he speaks, spoken to us about something and we don't obey on that specific thing, why would we want to address the same topic in a different matter? You first need to sort out your obeying heart for him to be able to speak to you on that topic again. Psalm 5 verse 3 
says that we have to hear in the morning. Now I know that everybody knows that God doesn't just speak in the morning. But why is scripture pointing to morning? For me, it's because in the morning you rested, you fresh, um, no new problems has arised yet. There might be old problems that's not dissolved, but new problems hasn't started yet. Um, people hasn't hassled you yet. And I'm not talking about the person waking you up um, when you still wanted to sleep, nagging you to get out of bed, that kind of hassle. I'm talking about real life hassles. And also in the morning, you can concentrate longer. Your brain is fresh and it can concentrate for longer periods. So that is the best time of our day. And since God gives us his best, Shouldn't we then give the best part of our day to Him? That being in the morning, before we are frustrated with our problems and the people around us, and we're tired and we can't concentrate anymore? That sounds to me like a solution in hearing God's voice. The next one we have is Psalm 29 verse 3. The Lord's voice is heard over the sea. Now the sea represents the world and the unbelievers in the world. Sometimes when God speaks to you, the world might, might scream something different. Their opinions might be opposite from that that God told you. And not just that, sometimes good believing friends, even your pastor or your reverend or whoever is, leading you might say something different to what God is saying to you. And this um, voice that's louder than the sea or that um, will be heard over the sea doesn't necessarily mean that God's going to speak harder, which obviously he can, but it means that he's going to press on the same thing in your heart or in your gut. Um, some people feel it in their hearts me personally, I feel it in my gut. The same message will be popping up. The same um, words will be coming to my mind. Scripture containing the same idea. That is God speaking over the sea. Making sure that you don't doubt the word that is given you just because your pastor or your reverend says something different or your good believing friends which you trust because they not hear God you heard him so look out for those messages that follow up on each other then in Psalm 119 verse 105 we have that very familiar scripture that says your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path and I would like us to focus on the word the word is the lamp and the light. And that word is scripture, but it's the person, the word Jesus Christ. And we need to know scripture to know Jesus Christ, to know his character. And when I say we have to know the word, I don't mean memorizing it. Memorizing is, it's good if you're able to memorize scripture and recall scripture. That is good. 
But more important than just recalling scripture or memorizing scripture is knowing God's heart. And we need to read the word to know God's heart. That's why there is 66 books in the Bible, because that is how many books we need to understand God's heart. Because in every single page, in every chapter in that book, it describes something about God's character and God's heart. And we need to read the Bible to understand who God is. Yes, it can also bring clarity on decisions we have to make and how we need to act and all of that. But if, if I'm wanting to discern between my own choices, words, ideas and those of God, I need to know who God is to know whether it's in His character and in His heart for me. Proverbs 20, 27, this was a very profound scripture for me when I worked through these things, when I read it and I just pondered on it a little bit. It says that the spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord. So when I thought about it a bit, I was just so overwhelmed with the feeling that God thought so much of me that I am useful to Him. Not just useful to mankind, being the light, being the world's light to lead them to Christ, but that God actually finds me useful. That was such a big thing for me to know that He trusts me so much to be a light for the world out there. We should be Christ to the world, which brings me back to Scripture. If I need to be Christ to the world, I need to know Christ's character. So I need to know the Word in order to be a light. Isaiah 30 verse 21 says, You will hear a word saying, This is the way, walk in it. If you've ever found yourself in a situation where you need an answer, and that scripture verse that just pops into your mind, or that solution that could just solve this whole thing, that is the Holy Spirit. Dropping it in your mind, in your being, in your thought process, so that that's the word guiding you in the direction that you need to go. Jeremiah 6.10 says, Who can I speak to? Who will listen? Their ears are uncircumcised. They cannot listen. That says that we don't know God's heart. And if we don't know the scriptures to tell us about God's heart, that's when we cannot hear. When, when God's speaking and, and we, we don't know whether it's my own thoughts or God's um, that I'm hearing. Because I have nothing to compare it with. I have nothing to see if it's in His will or in His character or in His heart for me. 
Mark 4 verse 24 says, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and more. And here the focus is on what you hear. Who do you surround yourself with? Do you hear negative things all day long? Gossip all day long? What movies are you watching? And I'm not saying that all movies is bad. What I'm saying is that there is definitely movies Christians should not look at. Music that Christians definitely should not listen to. So what am my ears hearing? If my ears are not hearing positive things and godly things and not just godly things but surely there should be some godly things in there that would, that would make it easier for me to hear God's voice because if I'm negative and I fold myself with negative things my ears are going to struggle to hear a positive outcome. John 8 verse 47 says Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason they do not hear is that they do not belong to God. Now for me, as a new Christian, when I could not hear God's voice or I struggled to discern whether it's me or Him and I made mistakes in hearing Him, that scripture verse was terrifying to me because it made me doubt whether I am actually His child. Because if I cannot hear him, then maybe I am not his child. And I, until I learned that that's not exactly what the scripture verse is saying. That scripture verse is actually saying that when God speaks, I need to accept it. Not question it, not rebel against it, not have my own opinions about it. Not wanting to wait for an answer that suits my problem better, but to accept it. Because it's when I don't accept what he's saying to me, that it proves that I'm not his child. That makes the scripture verse so much different, so much easier to read now. Because I used to be scared of reading it because I don't want to hear that I'm not his child. I so badly wanted to be his child and hear him speak. And that brought some light into my life. John 10 verse 27 says, My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Now after clearing up what it means to hear God's voice, this is also a breather. Because I can follow him. I just, I just need to, to learn how to listen to hear his voice. But I can. I can still follow him. But in this scripture, verse 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice. I want us to just look at the word sheep. Sheep is an adult. It's not a lamb. It's an adult sheep. And the sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me. No lambs cannot hear. So how do they follow him if they cannot hear? It's because they look to the sheep to see what the sheep is hearing. And they follow the sheep 
until they can hear themselves. That is why it's so important for the adult sheep to take note of all these things so that when they hear, they must hear more correctly. They must make lesser mistakes. They must put an effort into to their relationship with God so they can hear more clearly. John 14, 26 says that Holy Spirit teaches us and bring to remembrance. The Holy Spirit reminds us of times when we asked and God stepped in. Holy Spirit is the one that reminds us of His promises. He's the one that teaches us in our spiritual walk, bringing us to, to understanding His heart and, and who He is in His character better, so that we can be better followers, better light bearers. So um, when I need to hear God's voice and I'm doubting, I need to look out where is Holy Spirit taking me to remembrance, remembrance of scripture, remembrance of incidents where God stepped in. John 16, 13 says that the spirit of truth will guide you in all truth. He will not speak his own words and tell you what is to come. Sometimes little things like who am I hearing? Is it the Holy Spirit that I'm hearing? Is it Jesus Christ I'm hearing? Is it God's voice I'm hearing? I just want to say with this that even if you hear it from Jesus or from the Holy Spirit, it's still God's voice because Jesus said that I only speak what I hear from the Father. And here it says that the Holy Spirit only speaks what He hears from the Father. And that's the only word that He will give you. So whether you hear from the Holy Spirit or from Jesus, it's all the Father's word. He is the one that will tell us what is to come. In Acts 17.11 it says, They received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things are so. So here... Paul's teaching and these people were had the readiness of mind and they received the scripture well and they took the word sorry they took Paul's word to scripture to see what Paul was saying to them was actually so it was it was founded in scripture and that's what we need to do if we get a word from a prophet from your pastor or from a fellow believer or whoever gives you word, maybe a, you think you hear God speak in your mind, you need to take it to the scripture and make sure that this is definitely in God's character, in God's heart, in God's will. You have to take it to scripture and you have to make sure that what, what you hear is actually in God's will, in God's heart, in, in his character. Then Romans 8 verse 14 says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. So the more mature we, we grow in the Spirit, the more we will rely on the Holy Spirit to guide us and to lead us into making decisions, into living everyday life. If you go shopping, you would ask Holy Spirit, help me to 
Be a good steward of the money you give me. Help me to not overspend and buy things that I don't need necessarily going to need or, or use. Um, help me to, to make my money stretch. To buy everything that I need. Take me to the shop at the right time so that I can get that bargains for whatever I need. Um, when I buy a car, when I need to make a business decision, when I need to change a job, should I change a job? When me and my child is in an argument, when I ask Holy Spirit, please Holy Spirit show me, am I wrong? And if I'm wrong, show me how to address the situation better. And if they are wrong, Holy Spirit help me to guide them to see it differently, to help them differently. In Romans 10, 17, it says, Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the Word of God. So to have faith, I have to hear first. And I have to make sure that what I hear comes from God. Because it's only in what God says that I can have faith in. What man says, most of the time, leads us to disappointment, leads us to failure. So faith, faith is something that I believe in, that I cannot see yet, as if I can see it. That is how I have to believe in it. And the only way that I can believe so strongly in something is when I know this is in God's will. This is definitely God's character. 2 Timothy 13 verse 16 says, All scripture is breathed out by God. I've just thrown this verse in there. Because once I had a problem and I, I couldn't discern God's voice so clearly yet. And I said, please Lord, you need to take me to scripture so that I can know what to do in the situation. And when I read the scripture, it spoke directly about my problem. But what I read there, I thought is, this could definitely not be God speaking. How could God say things like this? This is, this is not right. And later on, I'm going to take us to a situation in the Bible where God said something that just doesn't sound like God's character. It's also addressing the thing of who heard God wrong? Is it me or is it the fellow believer? So just keep that in mind. All scripture, all scripture is breathed by God. Believe it. When it says so in scripture, it definitely means God breathing into it. Hebrew 2 verse 1. We must pay attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away. In Genesis, how did Adam and Eve drift away? Sin. They didn't hear so clearly anymore. So we need to make sure that when we hear God's when we hear God's voice, we need to act on it. We need to make the changes or do whatever it is that He's telling us. Otherwise, we're gonna drift away. When God told me things and I didn't hear or I heard and I didn't do it, 
I felt disconnected from God. I felt like I can't pray as I usually did. And it's hard for me to read the Bible um, because of guilt or whatever reason it is. And I started drifting away. Hebrews 3 verse 15 says, So it is as the Holy Spirit says, Today, listen to what He says. Don't be stubborn as in the past. Don't harden your hearts. When Holy Spirit speaks to you, show you things, tell you things you're not comfortable with, sin, whatever it is, do it. Don't be stubborn. So that is the tools that I've um, chosen to, to give to you today to help you to see how do I hear and how do I hear correctly. But I also want to touch on another subject that I think goes hand in hand with hearing God's voice, and that's fasting. We read about fasting in the Old Testament, but we also read about fasting in the New Testament. And prayer and fasting is most of the time used together in Scripture. And when we talk about hearing God's voice, that should be some kind of a conversation, I think. Um, because when I pray, that is a conversation, me speaking to God and waiting for Him to talk to me. Um, otherwise, it's not a dialogue, it's a monologue. It's just me on my own. Uh, it's no relationship thing if I don't give the other one a chance to say he says well. So prayer and fasting for me goes hand in hand. And I want to talk to you about nine points quickly on fasting and why I say it is important in hearing God's voice. Nine things is the fruit of the Spirit. So this is things that's going to help you to show the fruit of hearing God's voice. So the first one is in Exodus 43 verse 28 and here Moses went up the mountain and he's with God there for 40 days and 40 nights not eating bread, not drinking water, getting the covenant and placing it on the tablets. So this fast, they say, is a supernatural fast because the experts tell us that the human body cannot go without water for three days. But we know that there was instances where people lived without water for longer than that. So let's just, for argument's sake, extend the time. Let's say that humans can go without water for 10 days. That's still a very long way to 40. That's why this is considered supernatural. My belief is that God plugged Moses into his realm and in his realm he sustained Moses for the 40 days that he was up the mountain with God. Um, Moses is also a type of a Jesus since Jesus also um, fasted for 40 days in the desert. So um, what did Moses fast for when he went up the mountain? He fasted for direction, for wisdom, for guidance. He's in the desert. He needed to lead these people and he needed wisdom on how to do it. And that's when God gave him the guidance through the tablets that he wrote and brought down the mountain for us. 
In Ezra 8, 21 to 23, there was a fast. Ezra had a fast going on there. And um, that was to humble themselves before the Lord for protection. So what does it mean to humble myself before God? It means that I'm acknowledging that I cannot do this in my own power. Only God can. So um, they needed protection and they fasted. They petitioned God in this time for, for the protection that they needed. They prayed fearlessly and God answered their prayer. In Isaiah 58 verse 6, Isaiah is talking and he says, This is not a fast of my choosing, but it is necessary. And the fast is necessary for losing the chains of injustice, untie the cords of a yoke, to set the oppressed free, and to break the yoke over them. A fast is so much more than just giving up my food and my drink. It's not an outer thing that I'm doing. It's not for the world to see that I'm fasting. It's not to demand an answer and to force God into giving me an answer on a, on a situation. It is an inward thing that is happening. It is laying myself before God flattening out my heart before him so there's no secret places not that there is any secret places for God but it is just like God look into my heart see what is in there that should not be there convince me of it and help me to get rid of that thing so that I can understand you better in this situation so that I can understand your heart better in this situation that is fast. That is to grow closer to God, to understand Him on a deeper level. Joel 2 verse 12 um, says, Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. So this was God calling on His church to fast, to repent and to return to His steadfast love. See, God did not punish them. He said, turn away from your sin. Because I cannot accept sin. Repent. Make sure your heart is at a place where you want to return to me. I want to accept you. This is the place where you are going to be safe. Where you are going to become a better person. Where you are going to be a better person. A happier person um, and a way to show that my repentance is true it's it's really what my heart desires is by doing it in a fast to say father I'm laying down my food and my drink focusing on you so that I can grow closer to you so that I can understand you better and Matthew 6 verse 16 to 18 when you fast don't make it obvious and mope about it. It's between you and the Lord. I don't think I need to say much more about that. It's not for the world to see. It's not that silent suffering thing that's actually not so silent because it's written all over your body language and 
everybody can see that something's cooking. It's supposed to be a happy time because I'm growing closer to God. I'm understanding His heart better. I'm learning something about the God that loves me, that nothing can snatch me out of His hand. Matthew 4 verse 2 says, Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. We spoke about Moses and Jesus doing the 40-day fast. And now we might think, God sent His only Son to earth. He had no sin. Why would He need to be fasting? And it's very clear because He answered that question for us in the Bible. He didn't want to do anything that the Father didn't tell Him to do. And if Jesus needed God for guidance on what to do next and how to do it next, that should be a clear indication that I need to ask God more often maybe on how to do it and how to understand it. Matthew 9 verse 14 to 17, John the Baptist's disciples went um, spoke to Jesus and, and asked him, why do we, the Jews and the Pharisees, do the regular fast things that is prescribed to them, but Jesus' disciples is not fasting? And then Jesus told them this whole parable about the old cloth and the new cloth and that the new cloth will tear away from them. Um, the old cloth will tear away from the new cloth and the wine sacks that will burst if you put new wine in old sacks. And, and what is he actually telling them there? Okay, so in the Old Testament, the Jews fasted because they were mourning um, God's help. They were in a terrible position um, with the Romans um, controlling over them and they basically slaves. So they were mourning for God to come and release them from that. And here they are with the answer, Jesus. And he says, that's why they don't fast, because I'm here. That's what you've been fasting for, here I am. That's why they're not fasting, but when I'm going, they will be fasting again. And that is what actually um, is happening there. So in the New Testament, when we fast, it's not a mourning, it's not a sadness. It is a longing, because Jesus came, he placed certain things for us in perspective. He gave us hope. He gave us tools to, to better our lives and our situations. And um, now we long for Him to come again so that He can perfect what He started. And that is the difference. And that's why you can't have Old Testament fasting and New Testament fasting together in one thing. Because it's not a mourning thing anymore. You can't mourn and long. Well, I suppose you can. But the, there's a difference between the two fastings. And that's why new wine goes into new wine sacks. And you don't patch up new clothes with old cloth. Or old clothes with new cloth. Um, that is what he was trying to tell them there. So Acts 13 verse 3 
says that after they fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them and sent them off. So here, the new church is at a place where they're not sure about the direction they should take. They should take. And they prayed and fasted for answers, for guidance on where to take God's church. This is God's. It's His people. And we need to ask Him what is His plans with His church. And they prayed and fasted. And after that, they laid hands on the um, disciples and they sent them off on their way. Yeah, another thing is they didn't do it out of legalism because it's a ritual. It's something they had to do. They did it because they truly wanted guidance from God. That was the driving force for the fast, to really know what God's opinion on this topic was. On Luke 2 verse 37, a widow fasted and prayed in the temple night and day until she was 84. I wish I could know what relationship she had with God. What he told her, what I would just like to know what her lifestyle was like. To have prayed and fasted, to hear his heart and to understand him better for such a long time. They don't say much else about that, but I can just imagine that it must have been amazing. So fasting is one of the most powerful things that we can do to grow closer to God. That's actually the only thing fasting is for, is to grow closer to God, to understand God better. So when I understand God better, I understand the situation or the problem I have because I know what God wants for me. I understand that He's not going to leave me in this difficult place. So that is what I have for you on prayer and fast. So now let's go to the story in the Bible that touches on a few topics when I need to hear God's voice. And it is in, in Acts. And in Acts 20, Paul tells us that he heard from the Holy Spirit that he needs to go back to Jerusalem. But when he goes back there, he's going to be manhandled, basically, and possibly thrown in jail. And then we think, really, God? I can understand Abraham, that you would tell him to go without pointing out the place, and we need to trust you that you're going to take us to a good place. But this is really hard. Telling Paul to go back to Jerusalem and then to tell him that you're going to be manhandled and you might be facing jail? Can that really be God? If he loves him, why can't he just take him to Jerusalem and just sidestep all the bad things? Because that's most what we say when bad things happen to us. But if God loves us, why is he allowing these things? Well, this is a loving God that's speaking to Paul and telling him these things. He tells it to the believers that he is with at that stage and they were very sad. How can this be? And they, they cried. And he said to them, I'm most probably not going to see you again. Actually, his words is that I'm not going to see you again. And they were very sad. So they prayed with him and begged him to stay 
Paul said, this is important to me. My life is not worth not sharing the gospel. So he went off to another town and in one of these towns along the way, he met up with believers and the Holy Spirit told the believers to warn Paul about what is waiting for them. And they begged him not to go. And Paul went. And further along the road, he met up with, an apostle, uh, with a, a prophet. Sorry. So the prophet took Paul's belt and tied his own hands and feet. So this is now the prophet's hands and feet together with Paul's belt to demonstrate to Paul that this is what's going to happen to him. This is now in, in Acts 21 where this plays off. And now if you read the rest of Acts, you'll see that everything happened just as it was said. Paul was manhandled, beaten, and thrown into jail, um, just like it was said. So now the question is, who heard right? Because Paul got the message, go, you're going to be manhandled. And the believers warned Paul not to go. And if this was me, probably, I would have th thought that I heard wrong. Because two different groups of people warned me. So it must have, me, must have been me hearing wrong. And he could have skipped out on going to Jerusalem and going through the ordeal. But this is what I've learned out of this. All of them got the same message. They didn't get different message, except for the warning part and the going part. The one might have had a little bit more detail than the other, but the basic storyline was exactly the same. So why would God say something like that? Why would God tell Paul to go, knowing that he's going to run into trouble? First of all, God sent the believers and the prophet to prepare Paul's heart. So he gave Paul the message, telling him what's going to happen, to prepare his heart, because his heart needed to be prepared for what he's facing. And he needed to be prepared not just only by hearing it once, so that he, he can man up. He, can, um, he needed to get the spiritual strength to face the battle he was entering into. And Paul knew God's heart. Paul knew that God only has his best interest at heart. And the best interest of the church, if you would call it that. So when you read the story, you'll see that the church wanted to kill Paul. The Romans stepped in because the Romans saw that they had no ground in killing Paul. And because Paul was a, a, a Roman citizen, they were obligated to protect him. So they placed him in, in jail because there um, at least his life would be out of danger. See, God had a plan there. God knew that Paul needed to be at a place where he would be protected. And with that, Paul was in a unique situation where he could still spread the gospel. 
his friends could still visit him in jail, bring him food, make sure that his needs were addressed. And he had a unique opportunity to change Roman households. And that was the heart behind all of this. As for God's church, to reach the people that needed to be reached in a situation that seemed impossible, God made possible. And God had Paul's best interest at heart by protecting him in jail to do the work that he needed to do for those Roman households. So, now to get to a summary where um, I'm going to give you some tools on how to do differentiate God's voice that's based or founded in scripture and that is um, God's voice doesn't dwell on our situation on our problems or on the past he's not gonna have a conversation about it or drag you back to it or anything like that so God's voice is going to speak to you about who he is in that situation. And you need to trust him for who he is. The second one is God's voice does not gossip. So um, Ephesians 4.29 challenges us and it reads like this. Watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what helps. Each word a gift. Another translation, when you talk, do not say harmful things, but say what people need. Words that will help others become stronger. Then what you say will do good to those who listen to you. God will not go against this word. He will not break people down. He will lift people up. So when you hear thoughts of criticizing someone's faults or jumping on them for failures that they had, that is most likely not God speaking. He's not gonna give you information on someone's mistakes or failures. If you happen to know someone makes mistakes or is on a wrong path, you might step in and correct a brother in love, helping him to get his life back in order. But he's not going to tell you about someone's mistakes. That is God's judgment. That is God's place. And God will speak to people on their own faults. Okay? God's voice will usually speak to you about your own heart and not others' hearts. So this is a situation where you will complain to God about somebody, their actions or whatever they did, and God's going to talk to you about your actions and your heart. And you will have to fix whatever God shows you regarding your actions and your heart and trust that he will do the same for the other person. God is more concerned about 
the state of your heart. Meaning that in Matthew 11 verse 9 to 14, Jesus was healing a man's crippled hand on the Sabbath day. And the Pharisees questioned him on why he did it. And God revealed their hearts to them in the story by saying, you have to do good even on a Sabbath day. And God will take you to the root of the problem. God will guide you to the thing that's causing you to think a certain way or to act a certain way so that you can get rid of the root of that thing. So that the state of your heart can be in a better place. The last one on discerning God's voice is God's voice will never contradict scripture. God's voice will not tell you to leave your spouse or to cheat on profit margins, to disregard leadership. Because in, in 1 Peter 2.13, it talks very clearly on how to work um, about with leaders and what the process or around that is. So um, God's word will not speak against his word. His voice will not tell you something that is against his word. Okay, so if I'm starting out and I need to hear God's voice, the tools that I'm handing you will be to get to know the Bible, to read the scriptures, not to memorize it necessarily, but to find the character of God in it so that you have a measure that you can measure up the things that you think he's telling you. Maybe it's yourself. Maybe, maybe sometimes we want something so badly that when we read scripture, we bend it to fit the want that I have at that stage. I take one verse and I say, okay, this is what the verse says. And in this verse, this is okay. And it's actually not when I read the whole scripture. Okay, and to know God, we need to spend time in intimacy with Him, alone time, to be in a relationship with Him. And when we're in a relationship with someone, we need to spend time with that person, away from other persons, in the sense where I can hear your heart and you can hear mine. So we need to set time aside. Not rushed time, planned time, set aside for meeting up with the one in my relationship. If I want to hear the voice of God, I need to be doing the things of God. And that does not mean being a busybody, busy with things, but doing what scripture tells me to do. Um, the things that's in scripture, sorting myself out. Um, so that I can grow closer to him and not to be preoccupied with my own interest, not wanting to bend him to, to fit what I need at that stage, but to truly spend time there to hear what it is that he wants me to do in a certain time. To position yourself close to God. And how do I do that? If I cannot hear his voice, how do I do that? That means I have to have intimate time because this is where God draw, where I draw, draw closer to God and to surround myself with people that truly see God, that can pray with me and that can pray for me so that I can fill my ears 
with good things. And they might probably lead me to hear God better. Definitely, we have to make time to listen. To just sit down, relax, and listen to God. So when I listen, and, and, and I don't know whether I hear or can hear yet, I need to write down. So I need to take with me a book and a pen and write down songs that come up in my mind, scripture that come up in my mind, pictures that I might see while I'm waiting there on, on him, um, thoughts, and not thoughts of, what's going on in my life. Just random thoughts that pop into my mind. I have to write it down. And then I need to look into those things. And if I don't know how to look into it and I don't understand what it says, ask someone. Ask someone to help you to understand what's going on there. Because that is how God speaks. God speaks in pictures, in scripture, in voices, in thoughts, obviously, and in people. But if he speaks to you in your alone time, that might be one of the ways he's speaking to you. And then, when God calls you or speaks to you, you have to be ready to act. So when I take time to be silent, to hear his voice, I need to be ready to act when he actually does speak to me without excuses. Yes, sometimes God lays something on us and it's a bit much and we need to work through it and we need to go through the initial shock of whatever he is telling us. But we have to have in the back of our mind the idea that I'm going to do this. I need to work through this, sort myself out, but I'm definitely going to do this. Because otherwise, why you sit down to hear him speak if you're not ready to act when he actually speaks to you? And then the last one is, when he speaks, obey. Don't make excuses. Don't wait for a better answer. Because if you don't obey, that's where God grows silent sometimes in a certain area in our lives. Or maybe in total. Because why is he going to speak to you and you're just not going to listen anyways? That's what I have on hearing God's voice. I hope I've given you some tools. And I want to say, don't be scared to practice. Because that's the only way we're going to learn. Making mistakes. And when we make mistakes, this is another key. Try and learn from it. Try and see, what did I do wrong? What did I do in my flesh? What was going on when I made this mistake? So that I can learn from my mistakes as well. Because that's also a tool. A mistake is only a mistake when I keep on doing the same mistake. Thank you guys. Thanks for watching. Please subscribe to our channel and make sure to click the bell notification button to get any notifications when we upload a new video. Stay blessed.